Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tribe Method Podcast, where we help gym owners, coaches, and trainers run better businesses and inspire healthier humans. My name is Evan Bardis. I'm your host and the head of marketing here at Tribe, a powerful gym management platform designed to help you build your fitness community. Now, let's get started. All right. Um... Today on Tribe Method, we have Jason Ackerman with us, three-time CrossFit affiliate owner, former level four trainer on the CrossFit seminar staff, author and founder of Own Your Eating Nutrition and Lifestyle Coaching Program. With over 25 years of experience in health and fitness and podcast host of Best Hour of Their Day. Jason has helped thousands of people lose weight and create a healthier relationship with food. Jason, thank you for joining us on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. My name is Crystal. For those of you who don't know, I'm the content marketing manager at Tribe. And uh, so let's dive in. Jason, tell us a bit about your experiences as a gym owner. You owned three CrossFit gyms before. Yeah, I mean, that's a, we have a, how long do you have on this podcast? Because, <laughs> you know, owning three affiliates is a lot of experience, but it was the, best decision I've ever made in my life. Well, I should, other than marrying my wife, I think you have to say that, right? So um, it it was the best time of my life and something I I miss right now, owning an affiliate. I I don't know whether I will again in the future, but CrossFit and affiliate ownership truly changed my life, changed the direction I was going, and it's something I am very proud of. That's awesome. So how did you get started as an affiliate owner? Well, I found CrossFit in 2006. So I've been around for quite some time. And I was a personal trainer. I've been involved in fitness since I was like 13 years old. In high school, I was a you know high school wrestler and very small. And I needed to get stronger to you know keep up with the, the bigger kids. And from the first day I walked into the gym, I fell in love with it and knew – it was something that I would always want to do. I didn't think I'd still be doing it, you know, almost 30 years later, but I was involved in the personal training world, still kind of, you know, pushing through it after college, after a a postgraduate degree. And when I stumbled upon CrossFit, I said, okay, this could be a way of actually making money in the fitness world. You know, I was doing it because I loved it. I was having fun. And I was like, okay, this is great, but at some point I have to get a real job. And then I found CrossFit and I was like, this can be a real job. That's awesome. So did you own any of your affiliates at the same time or was it one after the other? I owned two at one point. So I opened my first affiliate in 2007 and it was booming, it was growing. You know, CrossFit was on the huge up and up at that point. And I think in 2011, I opened my second. So I had those two together. And then I actually sold both of those right around the same time, separate reasons to different people in 2013 and was going to take a break. I said, okay, you know, I did this. I've I've been there, had success, sold them. And then I just couldn't turn away another opportunity to get involved. My coach of mine was opening one. He asked if I wanted to be a partner and I dove in. So I owned two at one point and then my third I owned uh, separately. That's great. So yeah, lots of experience, like you said. Um, And it sounds like your gyms were pretty successful, but I'm curious, what was your biggest failure as a gym owner and how did you learn from that experience? You know, that's funny because I, you know, we were talking before this and I have a podcast and I ask that question a lot because it's, it's easy to think about what you did well, right? And then to think about what went wrong. I have so many failures I could tell you about. But I think the biggest failure I had in the box ownership, well, I'll say there's probably two that I would change. And one would be whether or not I opened the second affiliate. So when, you know, the first one's going well, I think what I probably would have done, and it wasn't really a failure, but what I would have changed is just diving more into that first one rather than opening that second, kind of diversifying my attention, my bandwidth, um, you know, making my coaches work harder because they had to go to two different places. It just watered things down a little bit. And then the other one 
is, you know, probably around 2010 and 11, CrossFit had this huge push to try to do more, try to make the games, try to make regionals. And I was, I bought into it myself and I allowed my members to buy into it. And what I probably would have changed now is say, look, hop into classes, go hard. If you want to do a little extra, cool, we can do that. But you don't need to do all of this volume. You don't need to be here for three hours a day. This should be fun. It should be, you know, more of a community-based fitness program. And I think I let that kind of slip away for a little while. That makes sense. Totally. Um, would you say that's something that you wish you had known when you started out? Or is there something else that um, fits into that category? Well, I think for both of those, it would have been nice to know that. If somebody would have told me that, I don't know that I would have listened. But, I, you know, nowadays, if, you know, I coach at a box. I live in Florida now, so I coach down here. And, and some of the things that they do well is because of my advice. So they listen to the mistakes I made. So it's nice to be able to impact others. And I mentor boxes. So they are things that I tell people. But like I said, back then, it would have been a little harder to see that. Nowadays, it's a little easier to see, okay, yeah, this guy's right. You know, you know, CrossFit was still in its infancy. I mean, technically, I think it probably still is. So we, we don't know where it was going or we didn't know where it was going or, or what some of the ramifications for our actions were at that time. And um, yeah, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, I would have only allowed people to do classes and I would have stuck to, to one affiliate and really just focused on growing the community. Because I think... The one thing I did really well, despite those mistakes, was have an amazing community. That's great. On that note, um, what do you think are the best resources out there for gym owners? You said maybe you wouldn't have listened if you had heard that advice before, but where can gym owners go now to find good advice that they'll hopefully listen to now? Well, shameless plug, but I think my podcast, Best Hour of Their Day, is great. I you know, record an episode every week with my partner and we kind of give, he owns three affiliates currently, you know, I've owned three affiliates. We're both part of the seminar staff and we, we just give out advice. We answer questions and without any, you know, we, we don't expect anything in return. So it's just true advice and things we believe in. And I think there's some other great resources out there like two brain business um, and some other, some other people that have done it. I think, you should be listening to people that have, that have done it and then have done it well, like, like anything and that lead by example. That's great. And who is your partner on that podcast? So my partner, his name is Jason Fernandez. We've both been on the CrossFit seminar staff. You know, one thing you said earlier was former level four and still a current level four, I guess. You, had, you know, so being a level four coach, being on the seminar staff, I've been around the world. I've been to hundreds and hundreds of boxes as has he. And you know, we just take our experience and our knowledge and try to help people. You know, the, the CrossFit community and CrossFit in general, like I said earlier, has had the most impact on my life, you know, outside of anything else. And I just want to give back to the community. That's great. So this question actually comes from Bubba, our CEO at Tribe. Um, he's curious how many years you've been doing CrossFit and as an OG, how do you keep it fun and fresh after all those years? Bubba's been doing it just, Bubba was at the first competition I threw in 2008 yeah. in my parking lot. Um, <laughs> so I, I found CrossFit in 2006, like I said, I trained Jiu Jitsu, something I still do. And my buddy was like, hey, check out this CrossFit. You should uh, you know, see if you would like it for yourself. And he knew I was a personal trainer. And you know, back then it was really easy to get psyched up because it was brand new and it was really helping me on the, on the mats for, for competition. You know, 13 years later and being in my 40s, there are definitely days that it's hard to get motivated, but the one thing that really helps me is going to the box. You know, so I have a garage gym, it's fully equipped. You can do any workout you want. Now granted, I live in Florida and it's hot and you know, hard to breathe in the garage, but when I'm by myself, I'm lucky I always tell people like, I'm lucky if I give myself 80% in that workout, but the truth is I'm lucky if I even start. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to do it. If I drive the 10 minutes to the box, I work hard and I have fun. I hear you. 
that's what I love about CrossFit too. The community, it just keeps you coming back. Um, I know my friends have asked me like, you know, how can you pay that much for a gym membership? And I'm like, it's so much more than that. And if I paid for any other gym, you know, one of those gyms that costs $30 a month or something, I probably wouldn't go. Yeah. So, and, it, and, if, and if you did, you certainly wouldn't work hard. You wouldn't look at the whiteboard. You wouldn't kind of look at your, your buddy's times, see, you know, what should I shoot for today? And, and the other thing truly that I, this is more recent that I started to do a little bit better is scale appropriately. Um, you know, and, and, and there, there's not many workouts that I can't do RX. I'm not like a games athlete, but I've been doing it long enough that I can, you know, hit the weights, hit the, hit the volume in any given workout. But some days it's like, okay, I'll go a little lighter and I'll just push myself a, a little bit harder. And, and that helps too. Damn. I think that's something that comes with time because when everyone starts, it's like, you know, you're chasing that RX. And uh, I've been doing CrossFit since 2012, so for a little while. And uh, I finally was like, you know what? Maybe RX isn't the, the way for me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to scale appropriately as well. Definitely a lesson learned for me. Um, so, um, Let's move on to your nutrition coaching business, Own Your Eating. Um, tell us a bit about how you got into that and what services you offer. So somewhere along the way in box ownership, what people don't realize is, you know, they think, oh, you, you, you own a gym, you work out all day. And that's not the case. You know, oftentimes you skip your own workout or, you know, your, your nutrition goes out the window because you're busy and I, I remember looking in the mirror one day and being unhappy with what I saw. And I said, okay, I gotta make a change. I have to do something. I was doing paleo, but paleo often became whatever I wanted it to be. You know, some days it would be chicken wings or, or paleo, other days would be tequilas paleo. And I, I was like, I need to find something that's sustainable that I enjoy. And I Googled and did some research and found flexible eating. It was like 2012 and Everyone's posting pictures of donuts, hashtag, you know, if it fits your macros. And I was like, uh, you know, a donut diet, I can get behind that. And I figured it out, did some research, you know, figured out what my macro should be and started tracking. And I went from about 170 to 135 while eating foods I loved without really depriving myself. You know, and, and most people, when they've lost weight or they, they go on some sort of nutrition journey, when their friends notice it, they just start asking them, hey, what are you doing? And that's what happened. I mean, I owned the boxes. So it was the members coming up to me and saying, what can you do or what can I do? Can you help me? And it just slowly became that. Yeah, I can help you. Here are some numbers. You know, here's what I do. And it was just kind of follow my lead, if you will. And then when I sold the affiliates, and I, I moved to Florida, I was like, okay, now I need to figure out what I'm gonna do for a job. And more and more people were asking me about nutrition and it became just one-on-one. -on -one. And then slowly it became a business. You know, I met my wife and she became part of it. So it, it became Own Your Eating and we have coaches now and we just help people around the, around the world really gain control of their nutrition, learn how to eat foods they enjoy without depriving themselves, making it sustainable, and, you know, get in the best shape of their lives. That's great. So when you were a box owner, did you offer, like, formal nutrition uh, coaching, or did you have a program, or was it kind of something that you just did on the side there? Yeah, when I owned the boxes, it was really just part of their membership, if you will. They could talk to me, they can talk to the coaches, but it was nothing formal. And you know, going back to your question earlier, that's probably something I would have changed. Nutrition is the, the foundation, right? You know, we talk about CrossFit and the level one seminar, we talk about what is fitness and, and the foundation of your fitness is your nutrition. You know, you can't build an attic without building a solid foundation. And too many people try to worry about their, their weight, their gymnastics, without worrying about what they're putting into their body, how they're fueling it. But I would just, you know, talk to people. I would do seminars and chats with the members, but it wasn't anything formal until I left the gym. And then, and it's hard to, I mean, as a box owner, something I preach now is knowing your value yeah. and, and knowing what you should charge for. And it was hard for me as the box owner to say, hey, you pay this membership, but I'm gonna charge you more 
to learn about nu nutrition. But in reality, it's exactly what I should have done because members also, when they pay for something, feel more attached to it and I've learned are more likely to be successful than when you give it to them for free. That makes sense. So a lot of gyms do try to offer like some sort of formal nutrition program or have a nutrition coach. And, and I've noticed in my experience that they, they'll bring someone on, they'll offer this service to members um, and the members get really excited and then it kind of fizzles out. What advice would you have for a gym owner trying to implement nutrition into their services to get it going and make it thrive? If they want to do it in-house, what I would recommend first and foremost is make sure you're doing it yourself. So you need to be practicing what you're about to preach. Secondly, I would say you have to charge your members. And I know they're already paying you, you know, anywhere from $100 to $200. It doesn't have to be extreme, but when your members pay you, they are more likely to follow through. And they, they, they associate it with more value. So do it yourself, charge your members, and then it'd be a great opportunity for your part-time coaches or if you have a full-time staff to, to earn additional revenue. So maybe they get a percentage of their, of their members' you know, fee for their nutrition, but having that connection to one of your coaches, rather than just, hey, as you pass a member, how's your nutrition? It needs to be more organized and more formal. Got that. On that note, what um, should a gym owner look for in a nutrition coach? Are there any um, certifications or qualifications they should have that you think stand out from the others? Um, is it better to have like a dedicated nutrition coach or do you think it's all right to have a CrossFit coach or other personal trainer who does both? So, you know, I think the number one thing is to have that experience. You know, I don't have a formal education in nutrition, but I have 30 years of experience. And, you know, I've taken a bunch of courses online and our company on your reading has a certificate course too, which is accredited by CrossFit. So if you have your level three or level four, you can get credits to, you need continuing ed. So you can get eight credit hours if you take our course. So of course I'm a little biased and I recommend our course, but there's some other great ones out there, Precision Nutrition, um, is, is another good one. You, you, you should have some knowledge and you should have a foundation, but I think ultimately having experience, not just with yourself, but with other human beings, because everyone is different. And when you work with people for nutrition, you very quickly realize it's not so much about the food that they're eating, but about mindset. Right. Tell me a little bit more about that. What um, I noticed that you had a... Um, quote in your email signature and it said um like it's not it's not a diet it's a lifestyle Where so more about that well well like i said you know i've done you know i grew up wrestling and i still compete and i still do stupid things to my body to make weight on the scale but i also know when i'm doing that it's not in a healthy way and the scale isn't reflecting my health. You know, it's like I need to weigh this much on the scale for this moment so I can step on the mats. But if you're trying to do th something for your long-term health and long-term success, it has to be something you can do day in and day out forever. You know, when I say it's about mindset, if you talk to any CrossFitter and you say like, what's healthy? They know, they're not dumb. Like we know meats and vegetables, like we should eat, you know, whole foods, real foods you know, shop the perimeter of the grocery store. Now actually doing that is the hard part. And everyone listening has a food that if I tell them they're going on a diet, they very quickly think to themselves, well, I guess I can't ever have that food again, even though I love it. Right. You know, and, and that could be a donut, that can be cookies, that could be mom's lasagna. But if I don't teach you how to eat that food without feeling like a failure or feeling like you've cheated yourself, you're going to eat it anyway, right? It's a matter of, are you going to wake up passed out on the street with cookie crumbs around your face? Or are you going to understand, hey, I can have a cookie here and there, but it doesn't ruin me. So it's, it's educating people to that extent. And it has to be a lifestyle. I mean, I started flexible eating, you know, probably six or seven years ago now. And 
you know, with the exception of a few days here and there, I go on vacation. I'm always tracking my food. I'm not always perfect, but I'm always aware of what I'm eating. It's taught me so much. And I tell people, I would rather track the act of tracking and knowing what I'm eating removes so much stress around food for me that it's, it's worth it. It takes me, you know, I wake up every morning. I kind of look in my pantry, see what we're going to have for the day, set my food for the day, and I'm done with it. But every day I also eat foods I love. So it's, it's worth it because when I wasn't eating those foods, you know, whether it was a cheat day or whether I would, you know, feel like I'm depriving myself, it, it wasn't healthy and it wasn't sustainable where now it is. So playing off that, what is your opinion on nutrition challenges? Um, do you think it's something that's overplayed or is it a staple to have in your gym? And, um, and is there one nutrition challenge that's maybe more sustainable than the others? I, I go back and forth, to be honest, about nutrition challenges. I think there's value in them. I think if they're done right and they're the right challenge, there's value. However, you know, with the caveat being there has to be an after-action plan. You know, to, like, you know, use the Whole30, which is probably the most well-known challenge out there. I think it's great. You know, I knew Melissa... She did her very first small little seminar at my box, you know, like 10 years ago before she was this tremendous success. There's a lot of value in the Whole30. Eliminate food, see what your body's allergic to, even just cleaning out your system for 30 days. There's so much value. However, that can't be, all right, day 31, I'm having pizza, beer, and ice cream and going back to what I was doing. It has to be, okay, Day 31 means X, whatever that's going to be. I'm going to have, you know, one treat food or I'm going to test dairy to see how my body responds to that. A lot of people will benefit. The box I coach at down here, they do 21-day challenges every so often, but it's a good reboot. But they also have me afterwards helping their members kind of figure out what's next for their body. So do challenges, just have have that after action plan of what that's going to be. And, you know, whether it's a whole 30, we've done macro challenges, maybe, you know, can you track your macros for 21 days? And the goal of that is, okay, you've created this habit and now it's easier for you to do beyond that. But whatever your challenge is, just know where you're going after it. Awesome. So similar to that and that, you know, there's a challenge, um, figuring out what to do at the end of a nutrition challenge. Um, what are some of the challenges with offering remote nutrition coaching? I, I mean, I love face-to-face -face interaction. So obviously remote and virtual coaching, you, you, I mean, obviously you can do what we're doing right now, right? We can see each other, but it's not the same as being in person, seeing that emotion in people, because like I said, it's mindset, it's emotion and you know, anyone that's listening that's gotten to a fight with their significant other via text, you know, we've all done that. And it's just, it's, you know, if you were in person, you wouldn't be doing that. It's because you can't read what they're saying. You can't see their face. So that's probably the biggest, the biggest obstacle there. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's nice for them to know. I think there's some value in the fact that it's not their CrossFit coach. You know, it's this other set of ears to, to bounce questions off of, to get advice from, it's like anything. It's like when you have mom and dad giving you advice, sometimes when you listen to your aunt and uncle, you're like, oh, that's great. And I joke around, my wife goes to the box and one of the coaches will tell her to do something. And she's like, oh, you know, Matt gave me this great cue. And it's like, I've been telling you that for five years, but that's fine if you want to say Matt told you. <laughs> yeah. what, are the, um, what are some other benefits to offering remote programming, remote coaching that you've seen so far in your experience? I think people just need accountability. Like I said, there's, you know, anyone listening for the most part understand, like we know certain foods are, you know, I don't like to say bad because I don't think any food is truly bad for you, but a Twinkie is probably not doing much good for your body. Now, when I say it's not bad, because I think if you need to eat a Twinkie to keep you on target tomorrow, eat that Twinkie. But there's people that are like, I'm about to eat seven Twinkies what should I do? You know, and that's where having that virtual coach to say, okay, throw out six of them, eat one. Yeah. You know, it, you know, just to have that, you know, it's, you know, 
I've never been in, you know, some of these, you know, like AA type of things or, you know, where you have that, that's exactly what it's for to have that sponsor that you can reach out to, whether it's alcohol or drugs. I mean, sugar, they say is just as addictive as drugs, if not more so. And it's, you know, to have somebody that you know you're comfortable reaching out to and that is there for you is, is very valuable. Got that. So how about as um, a business owner on that side of remote coaching, um, how do you make sure that your business has enough business to continue thriving? And um, what are some of the challenges you've faced offering that style of business? I think there's just more people in this space. There's a lot of virtual companies. There's a lot of coaches out there. I don't think it's getting saturated. There's billions of people on the planet. There's, there's always going to be a need for people helping with nutrition. You know, the challenge, like anything in business, is just spreading the word, marketing. You know, I do a lot of the coaching as well as our coaches. My wife does all of the marketing. I don't know how she does it, you know, staring at a computer. She does the things that I don't like doing. I like interaction. I like talking. She, she's really good at, you know, learning Facebook and Instagram and creating posts. That's a, you get people talking. So that's an important aspect of your business. Um, when you're presenting information to your followers, nutrition information, how do you come up with the delivery and give it to them clearly without overwhelming them? That's tough. That's really tough. I actually, I actually did a seminar at a box a couple of weeks ago and I'd been there maybe a year prior. And the, one of the participants said, I came to your seminar a year ago and today's was so much better because it was less overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important for any coach, be it nutrition, CrossFit, whatever you, whatever you coach, you have to keep it simple. You know, again, on our podcast, we've had some of the best coaches from Adrian Bosman to E.C. Sinkowski, Kelly Sturette, and they all say the same thing. So you have to keep it simple. So give people enough information, but you can't overwhelm them. There's going to be time to learn. And I think for a lot of people, when they coach, it's more about, I want you to know how much I know when that's not for your clients. You have to be thinking, is this for me or is this for them? That makes sense. Um, so speaking of, um, marketing that you said your wife does for your business and your Instagram account, I noticed on there, there's a post that you did recently and it was like, um, your definition of being like an asshole has morphed and changed. Um, so I'm curious, what's your definition of eating like an asshole today? You know, that's funny. That post we've used probably five times in the last few years and it's become like our slogan. It's on our shirts. Don't eat like an asshole. And it never really meant anything. I've always told people it's whatever you think, but people lose their minds over it. You know, people love it. And, you know, first of all, I've realized like 10% of the world is crazy, right? Like not like, like literally 10%. If you're listening, one, one out of every 10 of you is crazy, right? So it's true. And you know, we see it on social media and it's easier to be crazy online because mm -hmm. you don't have to have your face there. So you have to kind of, it's hard, but you have to disregard the nonsense. Mm -hmm. And I'm good at it. I don't care. A, I don't care what you say, period. But B, I certainly don't care if I realize you're crazy where my wife does. She, you know, she gets worked up and I have to be like, that person's crazy. It, like if you saw them on the street, you'd cross the street. Yeah. Right? There's so but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we put that post up again recently and, you know, people laugh, they tag their friends and then a handful of people are like, you know, this is rude and this is that. And my opinion is if you're complaining, it's because you're eating like an asshole and you're making an excuse. That's what it is. Now I get it. And I don't want to play downplay eating disorders. That's a real thing. Okay. Many people have them, but that's not what we're talking about. If you have an eating disorder, you're not eating like an asshole. It's a challenge. It's a something you struggle with right. so you know eating like an asshole back in the day for me was really like just having eating I would say I was paleo but like I said it would become Saturdays were cheap like literally every Saturday was planned around what I was going to eat mm -hmm. like what time was I going to wake up where was I going to get breakfast what pizza was I going to get you know what I always had mac and cheese I always had dessert and I was like wow I'm 
eating well for six days and really ruining my progress on that one day. It's think about how challenging it is to cut 500 calories from your diet on a daily basis. So if you do that six days in a row, that's 3000 calories. But how easy is it to eat 3000 calories? I mean, I can do it right now while we talk. Oh yeah. Right. Just a, a few candy bars, a donut, and you're, you crush 3000 calories. So that's what it meant for me. And, you know, and now I, to me, it just means not being smart about what you're eating, eating things that don't help your body, don't fuel your body. I eat pretty clean, actually. Like people see what we do. They know the donut is our logo. But at the end of the day, I get over 800 grams of fruits and vegetables every day. I eat good quality foods. I don't eat meat. Uh, you know, I eat fish and eggs. Uh, and I don't think that's good or bad. It's just what I do. I love animals, so I try not to eat meat. Um, but I have a treat. Every single night without fail, I eat something I enjoy. So that might be a Lenny and Larry's cookie, you know, that like protein cookie, even though it's really just a cookie. Um, you know, I just, it's just my thing. I like those. I think there's other cookies. But the point is, it's, it's what satisfies me for the day. And it's what allows me to feel like I, I ate something I enjoyed. It was enough. And now tomorrow I can do it all over again. Um, you know, some days it's rice cake, some days it's a slice of pizza, but you know, eating like an asshole is just knowing something is wrong and doing it anyway. It's like being an asshole in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like, um, you know, your methodology is, is sustainable and, and, um, allowing yourself to have a treat every day is very realistic. I think it's very fair. I think, um, that's, you know, not being an asshole. That's being, um, you know, honest and kind to yourself when you're trying to eat healthy. Um, you mentioned eating disorders before, and I'm a little curious about that. I actually have experienced um, my previous life. I used to work in an eating disorder treatment facility. And um, I guess I've noticed that somewhere where fitness and nutrition kind of collide, what advice do you have for someone you know, maybe a gym owner who might suspect someone at their gym has an eating disorder or someone who's doing nutrition coaching. What, what do you think that they should do? How should they approach that person and what advice should they give them? Well, I think you have to tread lightly, but I think the first thing you need to do is probably find someone smarter and better than you at dealing with it. You know, especially me, you know, I don't have a degree in nutrition. I have a master's in psychology. So I have some experience understanding that, but still, if, if someone has an eating disorder, you know, send them to a, a professional, uh, you know, especially at the box level. If you, you know, A, if you're at the box level, you probably don't have the degree, the qualification to deal with it. Most, you know, most likely you're not an RD, you're, you're not a doctor. Yeah. Um, and, and in addition, I think it's important to have that kind of line where, you know, I'm your coach here. I'm going to, I'm going to help you here, but you could certainly stress that relationship and, and make the, the gym no longer fun for that member either. And, and that's certainly not what we want to do. So seek out someone that, that has experience and the qualifications to help that person. Agreed. That's great advice. All right. So I have a few um, nutrition specific questions for you now from some of our, um, our staff and our gym owners. The first okay. is what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Yes or no? I, I wouldn't say it's yes or no. You, you, I think no matter what, you're going to ask me a bunch of questions and it's probably going to be the same answer. Try it. Yeah. Um, I do intermittent fast often. I mean, it's 1130 now. I haven't ate yet. Um, when I first started flexible eating, I would intermittent fast all day. It was less food than I was used to. And I grew up wrestling, like I said. So... I can go a day easily without eating. Like people lose their minds. And I'm like, I've gone, when I was a teenager, you know, like three days in a row eating ice cubes to make weight on the scale. You're, you know, here's a, here's a bigger lesson. Don't tell your wife you'll be fine when she hasn't had, you know, when she hasn't had a meal for a couple hours. But yeah. I, I'd say test it. You know, I think more intermittent fasting. I, I don't know what, I didn't look at all your questions. You're probably going to ask about keto. You're probably going to ask about a couple other things. And it's all like, Try it. I think you'll find it's probably not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And just because it works for your friend doesn't mean it's going to work for you. 
But intermittent fasting is easy. Just you know, push back when you're going to have breakfast or have dinner earlier. You're you're eating within a smaller window of time, but it's still important to eat the right amount of food. So even when I fast, you know, I'll start eating maybe after this call. I'll still get my full day of food in. It's just in that smaller window. Gotcha. All right. So you said you mentioned something about. Um not eating enough, make sure you're eating enough. So what advice would you have for someone who, who doesn't get to eat enough? Maybe they don't get around to it, or maybe they're working out a ton and they should be eating more. Um, what would be your, your advice to them? So I would truly say 80 to 90% of the people we've worked with, and we work mostly with CrossFitters, but people out in the real world as well, actually don't eat enough. And a lot of those people are trying to lose weight. So I know it's like, well, what are you saying? I'm not eating enough, but I need to lose 20 pounds. You need to eat enough to lose weight. So you have to fuel your body, you know, and if you are a CrossFitter, that fuel is how you're going to perform better. You, you know, you can't just work out and not refuel your body. So I would tell people if they're listening and they're like, well, what can I do to figure it out? Download an app like my fitness pal. That's what I use, but there's plenty out there and start tracking what you eat, just to give yourself an idea of how much you're eating. But nine times out of 10, people don't eat enough. And, and those that do eat enough typically have this weird balance of macros, like really high carb or fat, really low protein, because you know, we, we don't crave grilled chicken, we crave you know, delicious foods, which are, you know, tend to be carbs and fat. And you know, lastly, sometimes we see people that eat really well Monday through Friday and then blow it like weekend warriors on the weekend like I used to do. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening, you're most likely one of those three. And you know, what I would recommend is download an app, start tracking, just get an idea of what you're eating, but you'll see how much you're, because my biggest pet peeve is like the people that are like, Oh, I want to gain weight. And I'm like, you don't eat enough. They're like, no, 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 bro. I, I eat so much. You don't know. And I'm like, no track and they eat like 1200 calories like no you're not you're not eating enough you need to eat to fuel yourself and just so just for reference if you're listening and you're trying to lose weight and you hold more of it around your midsection that's typically a reflection of not eating enough that is interesting i've never heard that before it makes a lot of sense though yeah it's like you know cortisol when you release a lot of cortisol your body tends to hold belly fat. And now cortisol is associated with, of course, lack of sleep and stress. Two things we do have control over. People will tell you they don't, but you have control over your stress. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, the one thing you certainly have control over is what you eat. Yeah. So yeah, your kids wake you, your boss is stressful, I get it. But you, no one is forcing food into your mouth. So you can control what you eat. Certainly. Well, what you said about eating more, um, that everyone should be eating more because most people are eating less. That's good news for me because I love to eat and <laughs> I'm going to go yeah. more now. <laughs> and, and, and for the record, not everyone. There are some people. So I don't want you to, you know, call me up in a month and <laughs> 30 pounds and tell me you said eat more. But I would also say eating more, but you have to eat the right amount. It's not just like eat more so I can eat more and more. Mm-hmm. it's the right amount. And that's what macros are really all about. It's not eating too little. It's not eating too much. It's like Goldilocks and, and eating just the right amount. Certainly. Um, so I know you, you said I was going to ask you about this and that you would say try it, but I'm curious, have you tried keto? Um, and, you know, if you're open to trying any diet um, after you touch on keto a bit, are there any ones that you, that you discard that you wouldn't try? So I truthfully have never tried keto myself. We have some coaches on our staff that have done it. And I also have quite a few friends that have, that have done it. And, and the common sentiment is it's very hard to sustain and you don't feel great on it. I think anyone thinking about doing keto is probably trying to do it just for some sort of quick weight loss. They think, okay, well, I'm, I want to do keto because I have to drop 20 pounds. And, and what we've learned is, A, keto is not just low carb. A lot of people think keto is just low carb. It's, it's, it's low carb, but it's also very high fat. 75 to 80% of your calories are coming from fat, which may sound fun at first, 
but it's, it's hard. It's really just a lot of butter and oil on some other foods. So with that being said, I think there's a lot of health benefits to keto, to intermittent fasting, but most people aren't doing it for those reasons. You know, if you have seizures or you have a, you yourself have autism or you have a child with autism, those are good reasons to test out keto, but most people don't do it for that reason. It's, it's any diet you're doing, in my opinion, should be how long can I sustain this for? And, you know, in addition to that, if you're, I'm assuming mostly CrossFitters listen to this, you can, you can get your body to be fueled off of fat, but it will take time. And anaerobic activity, which is mostly what we do in CrossFit, is easier to fuel with carbohydrates. So yes, you can, you can retrain your body. It's not been something I wanted to do to myself, but I, I know people that have done it and ultimately they wind up going off of keto at some point. And correct me if I'm wrong, I guess this isn't a statement, it's more of a question, but don't you need carbohydrates to grow muscle? So for those people who were saying before want to get bigger, want to gain muscle, definitely probably shouldn't try keto, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I can say with certainty you need carbohydrates to grow muscle, but I think, you know, when you, when you think about CrossFit, much of what we do is, you know, under eight to 12 minutes, it's anaerobic activity. And the, and the first thing you're going to do is, is burn through your, your sugar storage, your glycogen storage. And if you don't have that, you're going to, you know, the goal of keto is to fuel yourself with, with fat. But you have to really get your body understanding and fat adapted to do that. You know, you see a lot of longer distance and longer time duration athletes do keto because they're not anaerobic, they're in this you know, aerobic pathway and, and they're going for this extended period of time. But what we do is you know, so short, so hard and so fast, that's where we use our glycogen storages. So it might just be that you know, without that, it's hard to have the energy to push yourself, which then in turn may make it challenging to grow muscle. Okay, gotcha. All right, here's another nutrition question for you. Is it possible to lose weight or lose fat and gain muscle at the same time, or should you do one before the other? You know, I go back and forth on it. I think it's, you know, I go back and forth on it. I think it's, it's anything is possible. If you want to lose weight, um, or lose body fat, but you also want to build mis muscle, is it possible to do both at the same time or should you do one before the other? So I don't think anything is impossible, but it's challenging. You know, if, if you want to lose weight, by definition, you have to be in some sort of deficit. You know, I know I said earlier, you could not eat, you could be eating too little, but you, you need to eat enough, but you also need to be in a slight deficit. You need to give your body proper fuel but not enough that you're growing fat cells. Now to build muscle, you actually need to be in a surplus, right? We need to be overfeeding. So as we work out, as we lift weights, our body grows. Mm -hmm. So it's challenging to be in both because you, you need to be in that surplus, but it, it's, it's certainly possible. And I would say the best thing you can do is eat the right amount of food, eat the right amount of food. I, you know, back in the day, I used to do bodybuilding and you, you'd go through these periods of time where you, try to get lean and then you'd go have an off season where you just gorge yourself and you know and you would do that back and forth for months and months to put on one pound of muscle it just wasn't worth it I'd, I'd say smarter training smarter nutrition these days would be fuel yourself train hard at the box or, or lift weights but uh you, you can certainly grow while staying lean that makes sense so um I've heard before, like a common, you know, misconception is, and I heard you mention this, is that, you know, you can eat more um, while still being in a deficit. So you mean more volume-wise, but maybe not calorie-wise. Is that correct? Well, well, I mean, you know, so for example, the average person listening maybe needs 2,000 calories to sustain where they are, mm -hmm. but maybe they only eat 1,200 on, a, on an average day. So they're, they're in this 800-calorie deficit. That's too substantial. You know, a few hundred calories is okay, but people are just completely under eating. So you need to eat enough to 
accomplish your daily activities, support your training at the gym, but give yourself a tiny bit of a deficit, enough that your body is still going to burn and, and lose weight. Where, where too many people take it to that drastic measure and just don't eat anywhere near enough food. Right, right. And how would someone go about figuring out um, like how many calories they should be having every day? I know you mentioned the MyFitnessPal app. Is that a good place to get started? And is that information accurate? No, not necessarily. So my fitness pal, if you type in your information, it'll give you some idea, you know, based on the answers you put in there, how much you need to lose and how fast you want to lose it. You know, I'm of course biased. That's what we do. We can help you figure out the numbers you need, the macros you need to, you know, be it lose weight, be it gain muscle. You know, you can reach out to us. Um, but there's also probably plenty of resources online where you can Google it. I would say, you know, again, going back to what we said earlier, find someone that knows what they're doing, find someone with an experience in the, in this world before just jumping on. But truth be told, tracking is better than not tracking. Tracking the wrong numbers is better than not tracking at all. Okay. All right, Jason, coming up on our last question. I'm curious, um, what is something that you're really into right now? Something I'm really into right now, I mean, I, I try to have balance in my life, but I am focused right now on growing our podcast, Best Hour of Their Day. Uh, you know, I interview people all the time, and we've had some amazing coaches on there. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm passionate about it, not just because it's helping the community, because I really enjoy interviewing other great coaches and, and human beings. They're not all coaches, but it's been a great way to just connect with with other driven people. So I'd say that, and then reading I, I don't this year my goal is to read 100 books and i'm on like 55 so i'm right where i need to be but it's challenging um but it's just really about this has been a year of finding balance and reading i think too many people spend too much time at the gym and forget that there's a whole world out there and finding that balance and for me it was you know really diving into self-development and personal development through through reading more, through studying, and that's been something I've been really excited about, and it's kept me motivated for, you know, so far, seven months. That's great. What are you reading right now? Well, right now, so the big book that I'm trying to get through over the years is called Atlas Shrugged. Oh. It's, uh, you know, this tremendous book that I think is something everyone should read, whether or not you, you know, like the premise of it, um, but... I, I recently picked that up again because it's hard. Like I, I'll read a few chapters and then I'll take like two weeks off. So I've been chipping away at that over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. But the other stuff that I've really been diving into is some of the stoic stuff. So there's a book called The Daily Stoic, which you know every morning has some sort of passage written by you know these Roman emperors back in the day. And but I also try to find time to read fiction. I just read a book called Little Fires Everywhere which is like one of the New York Times bestsellers, but it was, but it was interesting. I, I like to read fiction before I go to bed to kind of chill my mind out and then dive into the personal development stuff throughout the day. That's great. So I lied before when I, when I uh, told you I had one last question for you because you just made me think of another one. How do you find time to do all of this? How do you own a business? You still coach, you said, right? You're a podcast host. Um, you find time to read and it sounds like sleep is important to you as well. How do you do it all? And what is your advice so that others can do the same? Well, yeah, I do want to second that sleep is important to me. So I, I don't sacrifice sleep. You know, whenever I travel, wherever I go, I think sleep potentially is the most important thing you can do for your, for your body and for health. And, and I'm saying that knowing that I focus on nutrition. Um, but, but outside of, you know, I, I try to get to bed early enough that I can get up early and still get eight hours of sleep. But some things that I do to help that, you know, if you're, if you're listening is, you know, the night before I, you could see right here, I have my to-do list, you know, so I write down the things that I want to accomplish tomorrow. Um, I, I find time to, to me, a successful day means I ate right and I worked out. Like if I do those two things, whatever happens over the course of the day, it's, it's not too bad. So I may, you know, make sure that stays as my foundation, but then I have my, my to-do list and I have a, a, a morning routine that, that sets my day in the right direction. And I think also just surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, I'm lucky that my wife is motivated. My friends down here are motivated. So 
I don't really have the opportunity to slack off because they, they help hold me accountable. That's great. Um, and I, I mean, and, and full disclosure, I listen to a lot of books. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you saw my, you saw my, here Lola, come here. You see this crazy, <laughs> you can see Lola. Um, she, she needs to get walked a lot. Mm-hmm. So I have Audible and I have a couple library apps, but whenever I walk her, it's my time to listen to a book. And, you know, so I feel like it's doing good for her. She loves it, but it also is my time to kind of, it's, it's time away from the rest of the world. And I feel like I'm, I almost feel like I'm in school. Like these books are, you know, another, another degree, if you will. That's great. I'm motivated now to, uh, to listen to some books and read some more books. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, and I think if you're, and if you're listening to the show, anything in life, whether it's reading a book or nutrition or training, sometimes we get so worked up about like this huge daunting task in front of us, you know, and it doesn't, ha- you know, like go download audible, download a book and just listen for five minutes. You don't have to listen to the whole book tomorrow. You know, just we, we look at these tasks and if we looked at only the big picture, we'd be like, oh, I can never do that. But just chip away, find one thing you could do to accomplish that, be it one chapter or, you know, your warm up set of squats. And, and that will often lead to more. That's great. Solid advice. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jason. It's been great chatting. Um, guys, if you enjoyed listening to this, definitely check out Jason's podcast, Best Hour of Their Day. Um, and Jason, why don't you drop in your social information and, and other places that people can contact you? Sure. I mean, I think the easiest thing for anyone is just to Google, you know, my name. But uh, as far as Instagram, I have my personal account is the Jason Ackerman. I know it sounds super arrogant, but Jason Ackerman was taken. So I had to put oh, the... Sorry. Actually, there is another Jason Ackerman. Because when I Googled you, someone else came up first. And I was yeah. like, no, nope, that's not the one. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a tattoo artist. But he, he was clearly ahead of the game when it came to websites and Instagram. So the Jason Ackerman. And then we have best hour of their day, you know, T-H-E-I-R, their day. And then own your eating all on Instagram. And there's websites for all of those as well. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Give Bubba a hug and um, have a great rest of your day too. Will do. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. So we hope you found this episode valuable, guys. If you did, we would love it if you could review us wherever you're listening to it. Give us five stars. Let us know what you liked. Of course, subscribe and share it with your friends. And don't forget to reach out to us if you'd like to be featured yourself or if you want to nominate a guest to be on the show next. You can do this by emailing us over at community at tribe.com. And that's tribe, T-R-I-I-B.com. Thanks, and we'll see you later.